Hi, I'm your host, James Barrow, a creative turned marketing director with over 20 years' experience in the advertising industry. Join me as I go behind the scenes with a range of innovative thinkers. Hear what inspires them, their processes, and the methods to their madness. Find insights that can help unlock your creative potential and apply them in your life, career, and business. Right here on The B-Side with James Barrow. When is the right time to turn your passion into a profession? In episode 8 of The B-Side, I speak to world champion Muay Thai fighter and award-winning graphic designer Ognien Topic from his home in Brooklyn, New York. Ognien graduated from William Patterson University with a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree. He worked as a graphic designer from 2005 while fighting part-time before quitting in 2013 to pursue his first passion, the brutal, effective striking art of Muay Thai, and build a career as a full-time professional fighter. Known throughout the world as one of the best Muay Thai practitioners to ever come out of the United States, he holds several world titles and is one of a very small elite group of foreign fighters to compete at the sport's highest levels. We discuss his fight career, his approach to both fighting and design, and the similarities between them, along with how he's maintaining his training regime in lockdown. Ognien is incredibly dedicated, disciplined, and attacks everything he does with 100% commitment, and he doesn't let life setbacks phase him either. I really enjoyed our chat. He's a fantastic fighter, an excellent designer, and a humble, really nice guy too. It's a cracking episode. You're going to love it. All right. I am so pumped to have this man here. It took a little while, but this is Ognien Topic. He is one of the most creative fighters I think I, I know. He's not only a world Muay Thai champion, he is an outstanding graphic designer as well. And that's why I'm so pumped to talk to him. Thank you so much for having me. How, how have you been? How's this COVID-19 thing treating you at the moment? You're in New York? Yeah, right now I'm in uh, in New York. Wow, man. You guys have been hit pretty damn hard. I, I just... Yeah, right in the middle of it. <laughs> I was reading the news and I think you it's up around 20,000 peak deaths or something like that. It's just yeah. crazy. Yeah, it's 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 been uh, pretty bad, but, you know, make, making the best out of it. And as long as you follow the rules and do what uh, what is recommended of you to do, I, I don't really see any uh, any issues with it. That's real. That's a real New York attitude, isn't it? You've had a lot of events that have knocked you around a bit, and I guess like a, like a true fighter, fighting will be a theme in this episode. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you guys just jump up, dust yourself off, and go back straight back in there, right? I mean, that's that's the New York way, mate. I'm I'm really yeah. excited to have you here. So, what are you doing at home? Are you training? I mean, you're, you're fighting. What's happening? How has it affected you? Yeah, I mean, the, the I had to uh, cut my trip in Thailand short. So I went yeah. um, just about a month earlier than I was expect I expected to come back home, and um, and you know here back home I'm just doing the best that I can as far as training goes, uh, just doing in home training, um, still working. Obviously, you can't really get the best uh, uh, cardio performance out of that, but um, you can still work on other things. So. You know, there's always a way you can you can find find around uh, these issues. So yeah, currently, yeah. for the, for the fighters out there that are listening, I'm I'm working on mainly uh, sharpening up my my eyes. So doing a lot of uh, defensive 
uh, drills and things like that. So, Sure. Who are you working with in order to do that? A lot of the time, fighters, for, for our listeners who don't know a, a lot about fighting, uh, fighters will shadow box or spar with people who can give them different styles to work with. And that's a really important aspect because you're fighting so many different people. Now, how do you do that in terms of when you're working at home? Well, uh, oh, sorry about that. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Phone just fell. <laughs> <laughs> My girl is actually a, uh, a boxer, so she knows what she's doing, and she also does uh, MMA. Oh, wow. So uh, yeah. I've been working. I've been working with her. But let's say if I didn't have somebody who knew what they were doing, again, I would find another way. If you're with, I don't know, a family member, if they're you know able to help you out, uh, it doesn't take much. Like I was saying, obviously we can't do much here, but. Um, we're still working on defensive drills, which I think are the most important things you can work on. So you can just have your little brother, your little sister help you out. Just tell them, throw a specific, uh, a punch in a specific way. And you try to, um, uh, defend against it. You know, it yeah. doesn't have to be anything special, but as long, as long as you're, as long as you're exercising your, um, your eyes and, and that movement, then I, I feel mm. like you're going to have, uh, uh, some kind of ben- benefit out of it. Even if it doesn't benefit you, the fact that you think it's going to benefit you, I feel like it's going to benefit you. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of power in uh, in just that mentality where you think that something's going to help you. I think it'll probably help you out. It's so true, isn't it? That visualization, you know, you can do yeah. some of that, so much of that visualization work on your own. There's scientific <clears throat> evidence to support this as well. All the athletes are trained and drilled in, and I'm sure yourself included in this visualization methods. And yeah. I know, and I'm pretty sure you do this. A lot of fighters will visualize the entire fight, you know, and nothing ever goes according to plan, but they will visualize. Right and conceptualize the entire fight from start to finish. Is that something you do? Or? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, maybe not necessarily the, the whole fight, but I, uh, I visualize myself walking out, walking into the ring, and then starting the fight. And once, once you start, then you know, you're kind of already in, uh, in that automatic momentum. So there's not much, there's not much, yeah, there's not much to, uh, to think about from there. Then you're just reacting to what your, uh, what your opponent is doing. And I think for our people who work in the creative industries, I could compare walking out into a fight. Now, you're better talking about this than I have. I've only competed in Kyokushin karate tournaments and some amateur kickboxing. But imagine giving a presentation. For a lot of people, that's really scary. That visualization that you do, that, that's a similar sort of situation for people who aren't fighters, but you know, they can visualize the presentation, what they're going to say, how it's all going to pan out. So you're kind of, would you say, a little more comfortable when you step into the room and give that presentation, or in your case, the ring? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think what happens is you end up mentally going through those, uh, through those emotions, such as fear, anxiety, and you've already built that in your in your mind. So then, when you actually do it physically, then it's like, oh, I've been here before. I know how I know how to react. It's it seems more familiar yeah. when uh, when you visualize it. Do you combine that with any meditation or anything like that, just to sort of calm yourself and center yourself? Uh, no, I've never med- meditated before. I just. I just basically do the uh, visualization, and that's that's pretty much it. Yeah. If you know anything about Kyokushin Karate, we have the thing called the Dojo Kun, which is we train our hearts and bodies for a firm, unshaking spirit, and blah blah blah. I say that, and <laughs> it's weird. It's just like I just repeat that in my head whenever I'm feeling a little bit nervous, even in a situation that doesn't involve anything like sparring or fighting or anything like that. And it just helps me center it. It just, I think the, the there's a thing that the army guys do as well, where they sort of they talk about. 
the things that they're currently feeling now, which focuses them on the now. That's sort of what this does for me. It just focuses me on the now. So the only thing I've got to remember is this Dojo-kun. We haven't even started talking about your work. work. We're straight into it, man. Hey, uh, I did mention earlier to the viewers that, to the listeners, sorry, that you were a graphic designer. And I think in 2013, you made the decision that you wanted to stop your full-time graphic design work and pursue your, what was then the side hustle yeah, uh, and become a full-time fighter. Maybe what we could do is just start back in your uh, creative design days. And you can talk to me a little bit about your complete background, you know, where you're from, um, how you got into design. Maybe we just start there. Yeah. So uh, I started as far as the design goes um, right out of college in 2010, I got a, a, a job in the, um, in the industry. And, uh, you know, I was, I was actually fortunate enough to start designing before I graduated out of college, just to let everybody know that I wasn't naturally talented in the field of design, because it's not just like being naturally talented in, in drawing and art advertising and let's say logo design that takes a lot more of, uh, of thinking. It's not like a free flow method of, of Mm -hmm. art where you can just kind of do whatever you need to do. No, there's, you listen to what the company does, what they do, what they need. And then you start uh, beginning uh, designing the logo. I wasn't good at that at all, but mm-hmm. it's something that interested me a lot. And um, I really love doing it. And so I started becoming good. Um, and I wanted to be the best one in my class, at least if not, yeah, you know, yeah. outside of that. And so I started, um, doing a lot of reading, doing a lot of practicing, watching videos. And that's how I became good. So then right off the bat, I was able to get a job. One of the first ones in my, uh, in my class in, in college to be able to get a job. And so I started working there and everything was great. My, my, um, my bosses knew that I was competing, um, as an amateur at that time. And then later on, I, I transitioned into, uh, into a pro fighter and they, they still knew what I was doing. And, you know, I told them that I have to be out by, by 5 p.m. I wasn't able to, even though I was on a salary, I wasn't able to, um, you know, overstay because from 5, I would be working from about 9 to 5, and then mm-hmm. 5 to 9, I would, be, I would be going to the gym because I had to have a long session at night uh, because I was missing the, the morning sessions. The morning session, yeah. Yeah, I had to cram everything from that period from 5 to 9. Uh, into mm-hmm. that one session. So I did that for a while. And then I think that was about, yeah, that was about four years. Yeah. And, um, you know, at, at, at that time at 2013, I had to just choose, uh, because it was just getting too difficult for me. Um, yeah. you know, working, working that job. And then, and even, even, even though you're not, you're not doing anything physical before your training, uh, mentally, I was just it's exhausting, exhausted yeah. just from, yeah. yeah, just from thinking about the working on clients work and, and doing these projects. And so I needed to uh, make a choice. And that's when I decided to do Muay Thai fully. And of course, it was very, very scary, because you know, you're you're taking a huge pay cut. I mean, you're going into something that mm. you're getting paid like nothing, basically, yeah, yeah. you know, even, even as a professional, there's, mm. there's no money in, in uh, the sport, even even now, there's very little, little money. And yeah. so, um, yeah, what were you gonna say? No, you go for it, man. I interrupted. Yeah, and then and then from there, um, that's when I knew I need to I needed to start building my social media, uh, and I believe Instagram was around like maybe three years into that or so. So I started building that up, and um, I went to Thailand, started building up a, a Facebook fan page, 
and you know here here we are after mm. after all that time mm. fighters these days really have to try and make that connection with their audience right it's no longer just about buying tickets to an event or whatever else you've really got to build this following like bada hari has the the, the butter army and he really looks after that i know your fans are really passionate about you and it's almost as though they come along with you for the journey and it's yeah. not so much about the money it's just about building this following and you know if you the money comes as a result of that so be it and the sponsorships and so forth so be it but it is hard the muay thai fighters really do it tough don't they if you compare yes. the muay thai guys against the mma guys even at yeah. the elite level the elite muay thai right. guys are probably making what a tenth of what the elite yeah. uh, mma guys not, not so, a lot yeah man have you ever thought about making that another pivot into mma at all or not really no i never i never thought about that because i'm not satisfied with where i'm at in uh in muay thai so until i'm until i achieve all those goals in muay thai then i'll be staying here but even if i do achieve those goals mma just never interested me if i was to make a switch into something else it would just be boxing yeah that's just another another sport that i'm very passionate about yeah, I, I love boxing. I think it's one of those yeah. things where, for the purists, just truly understanding. I've got a right. very close friend, Nader Hamden, who was an intercontinental. He fought Anthony Mundine and a few other boxers um, internationally. And he he and I used to spar a lot as kids. And I realized then, A, I hated getting hit in the head. <laughs> That's why I went to Kyokushin Karate, where we didn't punch the head. And and B, just the, the, the science, you know, the beautiful I know it's a cliche, but the, it is the sweet science. It's the it's the millimeters, man. It's the difference between getting knocked out and knocking someone else out. Just the millimeters. It's a game of inches, yeah, right? And that's, you know, it's, yeah, that's that's what I that's what I love. And not just in uh not just in Muay Thai, but I take that attitude in uh in my design as well, in my art. It's mm, all mm. about those small little minute details. I can that's tell. what makes that's yeah. what makes a difference at a high level, you know, because you can only, yeah. you know, all of us, all of us, let's say at a high level, you know, whether it's design or, or fighting, we all know how to punch. We all know how to kick. Mm. That's, we all look good. Now it's the small little details that, that will uh, bring you to the next level. And th- that's like the timing and, and the, uh, those little mi- micrometers. Yeah, uh, or I, millimeters. I think there are so many parallels. It's a lot of the time I'll get, I'll see work from, teams you know whether it be our agencies or my own team and you can just tell when it's needed that extra five percent you know that that extra attention to detail you're right everyone can do the you know you can design a logo mm-hmm. but to be able to really hero in on the negative and positive space and look at the kerning yeah and all of that stuff i highly recommend the listeners check out your work because i really like your logo use and specifically around the positive and negative space there's a real art to being able to do that a lot of people a lot of designers don't quite crack it you know and it's what you leave out not what you put into the logo that really matters absolutely you know yeah. and I, all i want to do is talk about your fighting but i don't want to do that because i want people to know a little bit about you that you know you don't often get the chance to talk about so what's some of the things that people don't know about you I think I think they know everything about me just because of uh, I, I put everything out about me that I'm mm. passionate about, interested in on social media. So it's either fighting yeah. or or you know the design aspect. But 
aside from that, I do like to talk about the mental aspect about things mm. because, um, you know, it just translates to any any profession. It really doesn't matter. Similar to you, I like I like the mental themes and the similarities, regardless of what you choose to do. Because I see fighting as an art, and it is, it's an art, right? And I don't see it that the fundamental approach isn't any different to graphic design, advertising, art, whatever else. There's this rhythm, and I think I've talked about this quite a bit in my podcast. There's this kind of rhythm, and you can look at certain fighters, and they have this, not just the literal rhythm, but just the way they stand, the way they look, the way they compose themselves, the way they're centered, the way they move. There's this kind of like creative energy that comes from them, and and I would say design is literally the same way. You can look at a piece of design, and it either has that rhythm or that creative energy, or it doesn't. You know, and that's, I think, the fundamental thing that combines everything. You know, you get that feeling. Do you get that feeling as well? When Do you feel that there are commonalities between what you do in fighting and what you do in design? You know, there's people say there's a Apple way, do you know? And yeah. that Apple way isn't just about the user interface or the product design. It's almost zen-like. I think it's mainly like uh, showing, seeing the, the athlete's or the artist's personality. Yeah, and uh, yeah. it comes out. It comes out in their style of fighting. It comes out in their style of you know design. So it's just the uh, the person's personality that's uh, uh, kind of like highlighted. In terms of personality, who are some of the personalities that have influenced you, or people, or places, or events that have shaped who you are and your approach to both design as well as who you are as an individual? Uh, I would say many it's mainly people that you know i just watched and studied so fighters on youtube and then obviously also designers yeah i would say it's like a collection of of many people as far as fighting goes i would say i uh i watched a lot of i like buakao a lot uh mm. that's he he had one of the best left kicks and that's i feel like i i learned i learned the, my left kick from just watching him Man, and, uh, that he had a beautiful can... style with his teeps. So yeah. I copied a lot of what he was doing when I was first when I was first starting. I would make that suggestion suggestion to people who are starting out in, in any field. I would just say, just copy people that you like, and then eventually you're gonna end up creating your own style from mm. you know taking taking something that works from this fighter, taking something that works from this guy putting it all together and then you end up creating your own uh your own style and your your own persona yeah that's a really really good tip trying to emulate someone you aspire towards and then set a benchmark for yourself to be able to climb over there's this thing in muay thai i can speak a bit of thai as well but um put thai um <laughs> put thai nidnoi in a cup anyway what i loved about the ties and you see a lot of westerners do thai boxing and they get really, really hooked on the punches, the kicks, the elbows, the knees, but they forget the fundamental principle of having jayen, you know, this calm, cool yeah, yeah. heart. Don't stress and balance yourself and center yourself all the time. Even though you look like you're going to kill the guy, right? You're still calm, balanced. You know, and 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 that's why people say, "Oh, they don't feel any pain." Man, they feel pain, like you. <laughs> they, they they all feel pain, but they're just that's yeah. that calm heart, you know. But they will kill you. And and I, when I looked at your style, I think the first time I saw you fight, which was either like I was rewatching lion fights, or and I thought, "Man, I gotta I gotta watch this guy, right?" I, because I could just tell that you had that spirit, that Thai kind of approach to it, where 
and you could just see by the way you moved, you looked always looked balanced, grounded. You know, not to say you're not mm-hmm. jumping around the ring and stuff. You, and I thought, man, that's a Thai style. That's someone who's invested. Like John Wayne Parr, right? You, you can tell the, the Westerners who have really embraced that Thai right. approach, you know? Yeah, when I, when I first uh, started watching the, uh, the fights, that's what I noticed. I noticed how calm the fighters were and yeah. uh, how stable they were also when they would get hit. And I yeah. just found, I found beauty in that because, you know, I was, before then I was just watching kickboxing fights because that's all they had. They had the K1 mm-hmm. fights on, on ESPN channel. And so that style is completely different. You know, it's oh, like very totally. bouncy and back and forth. And then you mm-hmm. see a tie, a tie, a tie style or a tie fighter and they're just like standing still, but they're still able to evade attacks. And yeah. there was just something, something beautiful in that. And so when I started fighting as an amateur, I really believe that that's what set me apart from everybody else. As an amateur, everybody's going in there and they're fighting uh, emotionally and they're not able to control those emotions. And, I, and I'm always saying that fear is a useless emotion unless you can control it. And we yeah. all have fear when we, when we walk in there. But the guy that's able to control that fear and that emotion is the one that's going to be able to, uh, I would say, prevail. And so that's what I did. I stayed very calm and composed and I didn't let anything um, get in my way emotionally. And uh, that with the combination of utilizing uh, teeps or front kicks for people who aren't sure what that is, that helped me out control the pace and offset the timing and the rhythm of my opponent. And, uh, you know, I, after my first, uh, amateur fight, the, uh, the promoter accused me of having uh professional fights and that goes to show you, yeah, that goes to show you how I performed and how I looked and, you know, you can, you can, you can see a a complete difference between somebody that's an amateur and somebody that's a professional, a professional just looks more calm. And all I did was just literally copy that. I saw what the ties were doing. I realized how composed they were and I just copied and pasted. That's it. And so I think, um, (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Come on, C, come on V baby. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) If if there are any, um, amateurs out there who are, uh, who are going into their first fight or even if they have a few fights and, uh, they want to stand out from everybody else, that's what they should be doing. Just trying Mm. to stay as calm as possible and being able to uh, control their, emotions does that go back to what we were talking about earlier just try and visualize as much as you can before you fight and visualize success is that part of the way you control your emotions yeah yeah Yeah. absolutely you know even like you were saying uh before if you're just like some uh, a business person and maybe you have a meeting and you're speaking in front of two thousand people that's nerve-wracking yeah and you take the same same approach you know, you go in there, you make a mistake, you laugh it off, you go you on to the next, off. you'll be all right. You know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You do a bit That's of that it. in your fights. Someone might throw a good kick at you and you acknowledge it. You go, yeah, good, good kick. Yeah, that's yeah. fair play to you, you know. I love that right, sort of right. freedom and that, that, that lightheartedness. But at the same time, if, you, if you're not on the ball, you're going to get knocked out. <laughs> yeah, knocked out absolutely. And, you know, but you'll be helped up. That's what I love about. So you're you're with One FC now, which is um, again for the those who don't know, One FC is I it was started out of out of it's a multi format fighting um, promotion like the UFC, except it's not just MMA. It, it's stand up Muay Thai rules as well as MMA rules, and I love the the sportsmanship 
that a lot of the fighters show in 1FC and, and Muay Thai broadly, really. It's not just a 1FC thing. You know, if someone's down, they might even help them up. You know, that you don't see a lot of trash talk in Muay Thai. You don't see a lot of, yeah. you know, disrespect shown. It's it's very respectful most of the time, isn't it? You know? 1FC is going completely the opposite route of, of UFC. Uh, they're trying to go down that route where, you know, we're looked as – uh, not just fighters or somebody that's barbaric, but just just as athletes. And yeah. so they're going down a different different route. Um, and uh, but you know the uh, the the outcome is going to be the same. We're going to get great fights, uh, just different different styles. Different styles. Um, so like you yeah. were saying, but right now I'm actually I actually uh, haven't been fighting for one FC since since August because I'm trying to concentrate more on, more on fighting at Lumpini Stadium. So I've been fighting there until, you know, this uh, COVID stuff happened. So uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully once, once that passes, I'll be back and I'll be back fighting at the, at the stadium again. That's my baby crying. You, can you hear my baby crying? <laughs> can yeah. You hear yeah. My, yeah. <laughs> um, I'll let that go for a slide for a bit. I'll just, uh, but uh, Lumpini Stadium. Yeah. That's, um, that's a, that's the Mecca for Muay Thai. I've been going to Thailand since 2008. So that was my first time. I went for a month. Uh, then I went back 2010 for another month. And then 2013, I went there for another month. And then 2014 is when I, 2013 at the end, I quit the job. And then 20, mm. excuse me, 2014, I stayed there for about seven months. Sure. And then yeah. I've been just going back, back and forth, you know, three months there, then back home. Um, so yeah. What's the training difference like between how you train here and how the tires train? I've heard it's, it's a lot simpler. They stick to the basics over there. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Well, it depends how your, how your gym is, uh, here, you know, and where, where your country is. For example, in, in America, I've, I was fortunate enough to find trainers who, um, who had the same mentality as I did and they wanted to have a, uh, traditional style, uh, Muay Thai gym. And they basically, you know, copied everything that they learned in, in Thailand. So, so our format was the same, except we were just doing it once a day. Um, mm-hmm. Now, the only other, the only difference besides that is your training partners. You know, mm-hmm. when you're first starting, it's okay because everybody's at the same level and everybody's still learning. But once you reach a certain level, then, um, and you know, you're, you're, you're obviously better than everybody at the gym and even, even in the country, you know, I, I, I mean, there's nobody in the country who is on my level. And even mm-hmm. when I get guys to come from, uh, uh, from different States every once in a while to uh, train with me, I mean, it's the same thing. So I needed to go just, you know, go back to uh, Thailand in order to gain something out of it. And in Thailand, everybody's uh, either on my level or higher, higher than me. So I'm constantly, yeah learning learning from these guys because these guys are at an elite level so i'm i'm always yeah. i'm now i'm able to uh you know still still learn from from uh these guys so i'm, who, I'm who, a lot happier you've had a few fights recently at lumpini and you went pretty well i think you won the last two fights at lumpini is that correct the last uh three three fights i had yeah. over there I and won. lumpini for for those in advertising <clears throat> lumpini if you win an award or you know at khan can some people say can some people say sure. can or dnad fighting at lumpini and just winning a fight is like winning an award at can it really is who who should we be looking out for at the moment yourself included so we're going to check 
your fights out at Lumpini Stadium. I'm not sure how we can view those, by the way. I think Channel 5 in Thailand plays them if you can somehow get Channel 5 in your country. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. YouTube. YouTube. They normally post stuff on YouTube, right? But who yeah, should we look out for? Yeah. There's, uh, there's dev- uh, lots of different channels that post uh, fights straight from Thailand. But uh, as far as uh, Thai fighters... Uh, I mean, that's basically who I who I only follow. I only follow mainly uh, ties. So uh, there's, I mean, just just in my gym, there's there's like so many great fighters, such as uh, Tawan Chai. Uh, you have Muang Thai. You have Chokdi. Chokdi, I love that. That's good luck in Thai. <laughs> Chokdi. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think that's it's a good name. Sokti. It's a yeah. great name. Good luck. There's, Don't you love uh, that about the ties? They give their they, they give their children these beautiful names like um, Heaven or um, Shining yeah. Star or Diamond yeah. Eyes or Gauche right, right, right. Chokdi. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's awesome, man. Yeah, so there's there's many fighters to uh, to look out, but if if you are if you are interested in Muay Thai and um, you're just starting out. Uh, even if you're not just starting out, even if you're you've you've been been around the sport for a long time, I would just stick to uh, watching ties and seeing how they do things because uh, you know the uh, um, the the judging is completely different. So you don't want to mm-hmm. start watching kickboxers if you're interested in Muay Thai, and then you know you're you're doing things that may score in kickboxing fight but it's completely meaningless in a in a muay thai fight and vice versa i would uh i would recommend that anybody that's 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 thai from thailand watch them you find a lot of people start out just doing a little bit of martial arts and they really want to start honing in on the striking arts themselves there seems to be a, a real uh, progression it's almost like if you enjoy cooking you learn a little bit more about cooking and you eventually um, master a few recipes and then you may go on to become a chef or whatever else. I just feel like there's this like progression with striking arts, unless it's boxing, of course, but any form of kickboxing, if you're serious about the kickboxing um, striking art per se, you're eventually going to have to learn Muay Thai. I could be wrong in saying that. You've got fighters like... Um, Michael Venom Rampage and you know those guys who do the point karate style stuff and all that, but there are very few who who I believe would pursue that career now. I feel like that's like in the eighties nineties style. Would you agree? I mean, it just feels like Muay Thai is the most well rounded. I could be biased because I love it, but <laughs> if you if you're yeah. interested in kickboxing, you you're gonna get to Muay Thai eventually, right? Right, right. Yeah, yeah I do agree in that. If not, not, not if you're interested in kickboxing. If you're interested in in fighting, fighting, I should say, yeah. That includes uh, kicking. Then, yes, yeah, you yes, would have to. Yeah. You would probably have to learn uh, Muay Thai. Um, not to say that kickboxing isn't good because it is good as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But you know, it's a completely different style. You know, people people think uh, just because fighting, it's all the same. But mm. it's like it's like tennis versus ping pong. You know, mm. a ping pong guy would not wouldn't know what to do with, uh, exactly. with a tennis player, and, and that's a really the other good way comparison. around. So. That's a really right, good comparison. So, um, yeah, I mean, they're just totally different sports. It's really unfair when you see a Muay Thai specialist against a kickboxer in modified Muay Thai rules, right? And you can't right. take away a third of their arsenal, which is to be able to grapple, to be able to ragdoll some dude, you know, grabbing yeah. him around. It's just the way you do it, and as well as um, people like Boakao or right. Senchai, 
it just that's the subtleties just moving your body and being able to yeah, rip, completely, rip, completely changes rip and randle yeah, someone com- yeah, yeah right it completely changes them. the game and and just having the the fact that you can use elbows completely changes oh, the game yeah. i mean pe- people are going to be very very hesitant with uh throwing uh punches you know and that mm, that's why mm. you know tie, ties are very good with punches but they don't throw a lot of punches because it's so dangerous to throw punches yeah, and they don't, yourself. and they don't, right. And they don't score, score as much either. So, um, that's why you don't see ties fighting, uh, with hands as much. What, so what does a typical day look like for you now? And like, let's just park COVID for a, for a second. Um, and I know you've spoken earlier about what you're currently doing now and you're trying to stay active and doing a lot of visualization. When yeah. things go back to normal, what does a typical day look like for you? And how do you fit in some design stuff, man? Because I know you still love it. You can't get <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, it depends. If I'm here in America, then I fit my uh, my training schedule alongside with my uh, clients. So I do a lot of personal training and uh, mm. I do a lot of uh, traveling with, with seminars as well. In between that, I'm training in the morning, uh, training in the evening, uh, teaching class here at North Jersey Muay Thai. What time in the morning do you start? Uh, I start pretty late, about eight or nine in the morning. Mm. If I'm if I'm training, uh, just you know, for for my sake. But if I have clients, then you know, I could be up at six, seven in the morning uh, training mm. them. And who are your clients? Are they like corporates? Are they? Yeah, there's there's corporate people who are just you know they want to try something new out, uh, get a workout in. Or there's uh, some guys that are fighters and just need um, need some extra help. Uh, with preparing and preparing them for a fight, and then a lot of them are just regular people who train, but just want a little bit of extra. Do you do that through the gym you're associated with, or do you do that on your own? Is it your own business per se? Yeah, it's mainly it's mainly on my own. Right. Sure. Yeah. And how do you yeah. market and to then, these people? Um, usually, it's just over Instagram. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Instagram or word of mouth or people from around the uh, the, the the gym. Do you ever get people who have stumbled on you and don't quite understand how how substantial your success has been? You know, do people sort of go, oh, shit, I didn't know you were like a, a world beater, a world champion. Yeah. Do, do you ever get that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah. happens, yeah. yeah, quite often, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's funny because Muay Thai in America is still quite low-key, isn't it? Well, I guess with the UFC and MMA broadly, it's becoming a little more popular. Yeah, you don't have to I, – I don't have to explain to people that – it's like kickboxing. I could just say it's Muay Thai and they'll yeah, know yeah. what it is. Yeah. So before I would always have to say it's like kickboxing, but you have to do. But we beat the shit out of people. Yeah. <laughs> elbows and knees. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's quite funny. In Australia, I'm not sure if it's the same. I'm in Sydney. My wife's from Singapore. So we spend some time in Singapore. We go there once a year or whatever and spend some time with family. And both in Singapore and Sydney, you see a lot of these gyms these these normal gyms it'd be like a fitness first or whatever but they would have muay thai classes is it the same in mm-hmm. the states you got muay thai classes now it's sort of reached mainstream or yeah and even 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 in uh in thailand it's it's reached mainstream i mean before um even when i when i was going there like in 2008 you would never see somebody that's just you know a, a corporate business person training muay thai uh muay thai was just strictly for poor people and that's how thais thai saw it um, but mm. now it's now it's becoming uh, mainstream, and now you'll actually get regular people from the outside coming into the into the gyms and uh, training. Not only that, but there's like Thai gyms everywhere, yeah, and they're yeah. strictly strictly Muay Thai gyms just for 
just for foreigners who are there on uh, uh, for business and and also ties who have the the money to afford it. Going back to your design career, do you do any design at the moment? Do you have any clients? That you still do a little bit of work for where you can? Yeah, I do. I yeah. Now, now I'm able to uh, pick and choose who I want to work with. So if there's a project that I really want to work on and I feel like it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be something that's gonna challenge me, then I'll take that client on. So it's not I'm not really doing it because I need to do it. I do it because you know I want to do it. And then outside of my clients, I'm I'm almost designing, I would say, on a daily basis because, you know, it's just something that I love to do. And not only that, but I want to keep myself sharp. And not only that, but you're constantly putting out this uh, information out and these uh, designs out and you never know who's going to stumble on, stumble upon it because that's, mm. that's how a lot of these things um, end up happening. You know, somebody... Yeah see something that you like they get in contact with you this guy's working for this magazine then boom you're mm. you're making a big name for yourself so you're always yeah. i'm always just being as consistent as possible what's your creative process if you do find a client that you like you're you're interested in their product or their business well usually they they approach me if they need um a design done so for specifically for for logo designs, um, like you were saying, creativity is a, uh, is a process. And, mm. um, and I feel like anybody can be creative. Uh, creativity just doesn't come out within five minutes. It takes hours sometimes. Mm. Um, and I remember working with my company and sometimes I would be sitting there thinking about and just brainstorming with, uh, with, uh, my colleagues on something for like an hour, hour and a half. And then boom, on the second mm. hour, ideas start coming out. And on the third third hour, maybe you just started get coming around to one one solid uh, idea that you may like. So it is a long process. So that's basically how I start out most of my um, projects. Um, hmm. I look at the logo. I, I read. I send over a uh, a uh, logo questionnaire that the clients fill out. So I get hmm. to know the uh, company better and what they're after and what they what they're doing exactly. I read that over, and as soon as I finish reading that, combined with their name. I start sketching out ideas, um, mm. the first thing that comes to mind. And then after that, I'll start doing uh, more of like like a written creative process where I'm writing down words that are associated with that company, trying to come up with visual metaphors. And then after all that's done, then you go on the on the digital program, such as Illustrator. And It sounds really tactile. I think a lot of people go straight to the Mac, don't they? You know, they try and get straight into Illustrator or Photoshop and they try and design or Mac up their concept. Right. And that's exactly what I'm what I'm talking about. That's the uh, mm. the creative process. You can't just go on that computer and, and expect something to come out within five minutes. Although mm. I've had times where I just knew instantly that this is going to be the logo. And you went within, straight into execution. A, yeah. Right. Yeah. Within a couple of minutes, I, I, still, I still went out and designed other, other ideas just to see if I can push the idea further. But hmm. I knew that this, this was going to be a solid uh, I, uh, design and you know, I, I stayed with that. And when do you involve your clients in that creative process? It's always good to take them along for the journey. When, when, when do you, at what point do you say, hey, look, I've got three or four concepts I'd like to show to you. Do you formalize that process, or do you just have them share things with them as you go? Yeah, I usually I usually just keep them up to date on uh, on a weekly basis. So um, the process for me is usually about three to four weeks. After every week, I I let them know where I'm at, at what point, 
and uh, just so they know what's what's going on with the uh, with the design process. Do you have a presentation style? Do you have like a, a presentation approach? Yeah, I usually just show them uh, my concept so they understand the uh, uh, you know what what the what the process was uh, as far mm-hmm. as the, the 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 design goes, and then uh, I'll have supporting concepts. So I think presentation is mm-hmm. a huge thing because if you just show the client just the logo the way it is they can't really visualize what it's going to look uh realistically so mm-hmm. if you if you if you do some mock-ups of it on like yeah. a truck on a van business cards um you know you name it uh, it's a billboard, so important isn't then it people yeah. Yeah, yeah people will actually start visualizing what that what that logo is gonna look like for them they'll be a little more excited about about the idea it's almost like helping them buy your idea, you know, taking away all the, the friction. And a lot of people say, oh, it's a lot of effort having to mock up the the, the logo onto a shirt or whatever else, you know, a yeah. business card and billboard or whatever. But to go to that effort initially, it just takes away all the friction later on yeah. because you're going to end up having to sort of do more work to try and convince them that it's the right, right idea just seeing it how do you overcome creative block though sounds like a lot of the time like you like all of us we we get stuck how do you overcome creative block i'm going to be honest with you uh i don't think i've ever been in a situation where i had a creative block um yeah, yeah. and i think i think it's just the fact that i'm just putting pencil to paper and i'm just drawing these things out and yeah, uh yeah. I just, I just never went through that idea where I was stuck for hours and didn't know what I was going to do. I always had a bunch of ideas that I liked. And even if you don't like one certain idea, I mean, if you have uh, sketches out there in front of you, you take something from one, one idea, you put it with another idea, and then you combine those things. And there's, there's always going to be a way to, uh, to kind of like uh, put those things together. But I, I honestly, I mean, I don't know. I, I really can't remember... Mm-hmm. One time where I had a creative block for me, it was just uh, difficulty with okay, how can I explain this concept the best? I don't know if you saw if you saw the uh, that last drawing that I did of the nurse and the yeah. the uh, COVID. Yeah, I liked like it. that. I like that. Monster. I love that. Man. Right. Yeah. Right. It was just it was just challenging. I mean, the concept was there. It was just challenging how I will uh, best visually show people like a like a story through that. You know. So yeah, I, I yeah. needed it. I needed it to be uh, intimidating, you know. Yeah, but yeah. I also wanted the nurse to look as if she's not intimidated. She's ready for anything that that the uh, that that monster or villain is is bringing to her. So that was it. It's just figuring out how how to put these things correctly but there's no there's no creative block when, when it comes to yeah, that i must say hats off to the nurses and the medical professionals out there who are dealing with this thing thank you so much for doing that as well because not many people out there are really acknowledging i'm not going to say that i mean that's probably it's not fair i think people are acknowledging the work they're doing but like, like the more we can acknowledge the work that these frontline medical professionals are doing to combat this and help people the better, you know, and yeah, man, that, that was, that was really powerful stuff. Yeah. Even though you just yeah. put it up on Instagram, you didn't ask for anything. It's just you sharing your work, sharing your thinking, you know, the more people right. can do that, the better, especially if you've got an audience like you have, you know, to just remind right. people, you know, um, and it's funny going back to what you were saying, just put pen to paper. It's so true, right? If you ever get stuck for an idea, just do it, just keep drawing, keep scribbling, keep, you know, you see a lot of people when they're in meetings, they dribble, they, they scribble when they're listening. 
You know, it's almost the yeah. same process, right? Just keep scribbling. Something will right. happen. Something will yeah, come out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And and like I was saying before, it's it's not a, a minute process. It's it's an hour process. Mm. Uh, hours, not hour. An hours process. So, yeah, I yeah. mean, if you're scribbling there for like 45 minutes and you have nothing, keep going. Keep going. You have to keep going. I'm telling you, something's going to come out <laughs> in that first hour, in that second hour, third hour. Something will come. Yeah. What's your biggest idea? What's or, or your favorite idea? I don't know, man. I mean, <laughs> I, I like my favorite ones are always the ones that include um, some kind of uh, negative negative space in it, mm. uh, because that to me really burns that image into uh, into the viewer's mind. If yeah. people out there, which I'm sure who are not designers, don't know this, but if you look at the FedEx logo between the X and the letter E, there's an arrow pointing to the right. And brilliant. something like that is just brilliant use of uh, negative space. Yeah. Now, that's not to say that the people who have never realized that, it doesn't mean that that logo is not good just because they they, they have no clue what uh, what that mm. is. But if somebody tells you, such as me, me telling you, or if, or if you find that, find that on your own, you know, that that's burning your mind. You'll never be able to forget that. And that's what creates a great, great logo. That's, that's what starts uh, a brand, you know, something like that. I love that. I yeah. think that's a brilliant example. It's a, a little discovery t- to your point. If someone points it out to you and you see it, you go, oh, right. wow, isn't that yeah. clever? That's really yeah. cool. That's what I like a lot about um, your use of negative space as well. You're leaving something for the viewer to actually discover, you know, as opposed to a literal logo. It could be Tom's Mechanics and it's a it's a spanner and a a wheel, you know, or right. it could be Tom's mechanics, and it's it's something a, a play on the fact that Tom is an eighty year old man, and it's a spanner and a friggin' walking stick or something. You know what I mean? Like it's just, yeah. It, it, there's something there that kind of just suggests a little yeah. bit of that personality you were saying, and you know, a little bit of a, yeah. a, a an element of discovery to leave for people. I think that's um, yeah, really cool. Highly recommend people look at your work. Where can they find out more about your work beyond your fighting fighting stuff? Because simply Googling you, uh, they could find out about your fighting stuff. But where can we learn more about your work, your logos and your design work? Yeah, they can can just go on uh, Instagram, Topic Creative, and uh, they can check out my stuff at topiccreative.com as well. Uh, But I have have more updated stuff on on the uh, Instagram page. It's so much easier just to update the Instagram page. I've just started my Instagram page. I've yeah. got like a handful of followers. Yeah. No one knows about it yet because I haven't boosted any. I haven't done anything really. I've just, uh, you know, um, I, I got a few likes from some, I won't mention their names, but from pretty high profile people. So someone's someone's paying attention. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, man, I, it's so much easier, right? Is there anything you'd like to raise about, you know, I had this thing called the soapbox and it's where people can talk about things that are bothering them or things that um, they'd like to just raise awareness of. Is there anything you want to raise awareness of? The only thing that comes to mind is just people maybe giving up a little too, too early, maybe not figuring out what they want to do to push forward because I mean, it took me like 10 years before I started getting recognized in Muay Thai globally. And that, that's a long time, Yeah. but that's, that's the key right there. I wasn't doing it to get recognized globally. I was doing it just because I loved it. I didn't care if anybody knew me. I don't care if anybody comes to watch my fights. It was, it wasn't about anybody. It was just about me. And that yeah. was it. It was just for self selfish reasons. So if you do end up finding something that you love, then um, I think uh, I think that's like the biggest, the hardest thing to do is yeah. to figure that out. Once you do that, then 
you'll be able to make money as long as you continue striving to be the best that you can be. Uh, the money's going to come. I, I, I really mm. do believe that. It's not a mistake that I'm good at two, two different things, you know, two mm. different professions. I'm, I'm good at doing my design and my art stuff, and I'm good at Muay Thai. It's not because I'm super talented. It's not because I'm special. It's just because I put the work in, and that was it. I loved both those things. I put the work in, and uh, there was no quit. Who, who, anybody who stepped in front of me, I was, I was figuring out a way to uh, go around it. And that's applicable to any career, regardless of whether you're a fighter or a designer or art director or a copywriter. I mean, just, just going after things and just being Anything. honest with yourself, putting your whole heart into it. Yeah, it may take ten years, but yep. People don't see the 10 years that you've been doing it. They just see your success, don't they? Yeah, I mean, a, exactly. Where would you be in 10 years' time? You know, once you, you're still relatively young, you know, nowhere near retirement by any means, but where, where do you see yourself in 10 years' time? And I'll ask you this. Is it design studio or is it Muay Thai gym or is it both? Can well, you create in, like the world's in, first design studio slash Muay Thai gym in the one space? <laughs> in a perfect world, I'm still fighting. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah! Absolutely, man. Because <laughs> uh, how old are you? How old? How old are you now? I'll be thirty-four. So yeah, thirty-four. Yeah. So I'm yeah. not. I'm not sure if that's going to be possible. But look at John Wayne Parr. I'm, I'm, yeah. John Wayne Parr's forty something, forty-four. I think he was meant to get a a hip replacement, man. But he's like fighting in yeah, yeah, one uh, FC or something. Yeah. And those are the guys that that uh that 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 make me feel good about it because mm. because you know he's he's showing people that you can actually continue to do this at that age um him and uh kevin ross from america i believe yeah, he's yeah. 37 38 something like that mm. and so those guys are uh, are still doing it and so that gives me confidence that i can do it at that age as well Outside of that, yeah, I mean, I think I'm just going to continue doing, uh, building my brand, so continue doing uh, seminars. I mean, I have a lot of knowledge that I can give out to the uh, to the younger generation who's coming up. I'll probably be still doing my private training, and I'll continue designing, and that's it. Yeah. See, you've got design to fall back on, no matter what happens. A lot of fighters, I don't think, um, think about their future. They don't think so much about what happens next after they, because so much right. of it goes into the fighting. Would you recommend fighters get some kind of training in a field that may either complement or not their fighting career um, once it comes to an end? I mean, it's a pretty confronting issue. I have some personal friends, like I said, who were professional fighters, and now they're sort of just floundering around a bit, you know, and they're so itchy to get back in and fight because they hadn't really developed a passion outside of fighting. You're very lucky. You've got this right. passion outside of fighting, which is design and creativity. You know, I think a time like this is is proving everybody that you need to have uh, some kind of second income or third income or whatever the case mm. may be, because obviously fighters we're, we're nobody at a time like this. The only people that matter right now are uh, like we were discussing earlier, the medical field, police officers, fire department, you know, things like that. Those, those are people who matter at this time. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, the grocery, the people that work in groceries, uh, you know, I think fighters definitely need to think about more about creating different streams of income for themselves, whether they need to figure out another profession they can do, or, if, you know, they can just use uh, their skill. I don't know, like, let's say having if, if you're just a Muay Thai fighter, and you don't, you're not really interested in anything else, then you got to make sure you have something uh, at a time like this, where you can still make money such as 
online training or or something yeah. along those lines. Yeah, that's a really good point. A lot of people are switching their offering to an online one. A lot of the gyms are doing online courses and everything else. Are you doing yeah. anything like that? Are you? I am. I am a little bit. Obviously, you know, there's a demand for it, and I think I'm going to have to switch and start start doing more of that online mm. content. You talked about fighters not being the priority and the medical professionals and so on being, you know, they're, they're essentially the fighters now. I guess what we could learn from fighters goes back to what we first started talking about is overcoming your fears. And a lot of people are scared out there now. A lot of people are suffering high levels of anxiety. If anything, your advice earlier around trying to overcome your fears and visualize and see through this, those sort of things can really help people, I think, from a fighter's perspective, because you guys put yourself through some very anxious times every time you fight, you know, so fear is almost something you live with daily. It's not mm-hmm. like you're never afraid. Would you say that you, when you go into a fight, you are feeling an element of fear every time? Or Yeah, absolutely. There's there's always fear. and uh, mm. But like I was saying before, if you can control that fear, then that's going to be useful emotion to have. Uncontrolled feel, fear is going to be uh, useless. So I'm not, I'm not worried at all what happens yeah. after this because mm. I know I'm going to figure something out. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Even if even if you know we stop and the economy stops for this whole year, uh, there's always going to be a way around it, and um, I'm always willing to uh, to work, and I don't shy away from working anything. If I have to yeah, go out yeah. there and, and and do a completely different job to make some kind of living and so be and uh, make money, then that's exactly what I'll do. But mm-hmm. I'm not uh, I'm not intimidated by this. I know I'm going to figure it out, and that's that. Oh, that's the attitude to have, and that's what I'm sure we can all learn from, just having that positive outlook yeah. and visualizing uh, success through all of this. I think that's really important. Which brings me right. to my last question, <laughs> bites of wisdom. I ask all my guests to share a little bite of wisdom, almost like a meme, or if you were to print that on a T-shirt. I know you're wearing an honor T-shirt, but if this was a different T-shirt and it had one quote on it that sums up your philosophy – your approach or just a sentence you want to say to people what would that be i had some stuff written let me see if i can find it right off the top of my head it's just never giving up and if like i was saying before if you truly love something then you just have to keep going took me at least 10 years before i started getting uh globally noticed if you were to tell me now it's going to take you 10 years to you know do some other new profession, I'd be like, man, I don't want to go through that. 10 years? You want me to do 10 years? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, if, if you love something and you're passionate about it, then you're not doing it for that. You're doing it for a completely different reason. You're doing it for self-satisfaction. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, guess, I guess the corny answer is just don't give up. Don't give up. I love it. That's that's beautiful. We that's haven't it. had that one before, man. So that well, I'm going to take it. Don't give up. Yeah. yeah, that's good. And it's very topical for now, people. Don't give up. You know, this, yeah, it's a shit time right now, but don't give up. Yeah, I love it, man. Hey, Ognien Topic, it has been an absolute pleasure. You've been inspiring, man. I think a lot of people can take a lot out of this, even from things not related to your fighting, but just your your approach, your attitude. I think this positivity and visualizing success is so important for anyone, regardless of where they're from. Thank you so much for your time, man. I really appreciate it. And I'm going to watch your career with uh, close eyes. Where can we find out more about you? Just give us a quick little, and if there's anyone you want to shout out, please do so. Yeah, for my uh, design stuff, topofcreative.com. 
uh, or Instagram topic creative or Facebook talk, top topic creative. And then for anything fighting related, it's topic fight. So topic fight.com on Facebook topic fight and Instagram topic fight. And then of course I want to shout out all my fans, all my supporters and uh, most importantly, my sponsors on it, InFight Style and Clean Eats. Thank you so much for your time again. As they say in Thailand, Kopun Karp. Yep. Thank you so much, man. Yeah, thank you, man. And they, I'd love to have you back on at some point. We'll pick yep. up where we left off. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you. If you'd like to find out more about me or the B-Side podcast, please visit jamesbside.com. That's one word, jamesbside.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at B-Side Podcast. If you have any suggestions or feedback on the show, please email me at hello at jamesbside.com. And don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. The B-Side with James Barrow is produced by me, and I really hope it's helped unlock your creative potential. Thanks for listening, and until next episode, cheers.